On today's episode, we've got Sarah Moore Wagner, author of the brand new poetry chapbook, Tumbling After, from Redbird Chapbooks. Welcome to episode 31 of The Chapbook. I'm your host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are the directors and editors at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and sometimes full-length books. You know who we are. We started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to highlight the folks who write chapbooks and the folks who make chapbooks. You know, the wonderful thing about the Twitter machine where I spend way too much of my time is that every so often it introduces me to the work of a new poet and I just fall in love. And that happened with today's guest. Let me introduce today's guest. Sarah Moore Wagner is the author of two full-length books of poetry, Swan Wife, which is the 2021 winner of the Cider Press Review Editor's Prize, and Hillbilly Madonna the 2020 winner of the Driftwood Press Manuscript Prize. She is also the author of two chapbooks, Hooked Through from Five Oaks Press, and of course, today's book, Tumbling After from Redbird, which is brand new. She holds a BFA from Bowling Green State U and an MA in Lit from Northern Kentucky University, where she's currently teaching intro to creative writing. You can find a full bio in the show notes for today's episode. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Sarah, we're so pumped to have you here. So Tumbling After, one of the most exciting chapbooks that I've read so far this year, and it's it's brand new at the time of recording. Tell us a little bit about Tumbling After. This project actually came from when I was writing Swan Wife. Um, I had all these angry housewife poems, basically. And I was like, well, um, this book could go one of two ways. I had remarried. And so I had all these nice love poems. And then I had all of these poems from the dissolving of my previous relationship and kind of that fallout and trying to share a child and stuff. And in my mind, I was like, these can't work together very well. That's too much narrative for one book. I can't go through, okay, this breaking up and then here's this new thing. So then I thought, okay, I'll end Swan Wife kind of nicely and then make a chat book because I'm done talking about this stage of my life. So <laughs> that's kind of where Tumbling After came from. I really got a sense of a lot of what you're describing. When I was reading Tumbling After, a lot of it seems to take place around the home. A lot of it seems to be concerned with the domestic. And I was I was struck at how, even though the way you, you've just described it, it still has a lot of facet to it. It does more than one thing. The poems are incredibly dynamic in how they sort of speak back and forth to one another. I'm curious if if the chapbook has always been in the order that the poems are, are in them now. Well, I think it, it changed a lot kind of as it was evolving. At first, I think I just called it split. So it was kind of like this split in the middle. So the first section was always around the idea of being a housewife and being someone who's put into a relationship without a desire for it, I guess, um, kind of forced into this, this box. And then the second section is more of the split of releasing yourself from the box and what that comes with as what society puts on that, such as 
you know, those archetypes of fairy tale villains and things like that, that kind of come in and mythic villains like Lamia and the Impusa and things like that. In the second section, if I'm not mistaken, is where the poems start to uh, riff off of Anne Sexton and the Book of Job um, and sort of other source materials, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I felt like I, I get the sense of exactly what you're describing, the first half of the book being sort of a retelling of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And the second is like, finding the world outside the front door and seeing all of these figures that seem to relate something to the person in the, in the book. You know what I mean? Even the, mm-hmm. the story about Jack is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, 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 the Job poem, the Anne Sexton poem really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, a real triumph. Uh, and I, I really appreciated how the poems moved from the first section to the second section, as you described. Yeah, I felt like that the sort of book length speaker was one who was hungry to identify herself in a larger context, historically, mythically. And I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that hunger for connecting to stories. Mm, yeah, I think this is something I feel like that drives my writing in a lot of ways and, and probably just drives me as a person, the desire to make connections. And I think as a woman, often, especially in this shared cultural traditions, there aren't really a lot of, you know, fairy tale, mythic female characters in particular that someone who doesn't fit into the traditional mold of what a woman should be can identify with. So for instance, when I married my husband, I would always tell him like, I am Mr. Rochester and you're Jane Eyre. Like I'm the one with the one hand, like blind and lady in the attic that's me <laughs> and you're you're just this flower <laughs> so i i've always just kind of i love to write um persona poems and things but i've been someone who thinks about okay where where does my work fit in in this kind of legacy of people who especially women like ann sexton who are trying to connect with these this shared tradition and and identify themselves in it and rewrite it. And I've never really had a desire to kind of just revise these stories or rewrite them so that the woman's kind of powerful. Um, I'm really trying to locate myself within these, these stories to say, okay, how can I identify, but then also sort of break that frame to say something different and unique to, to me and unique to the world, I'm hoping. Breaking that frame is not necessarily something that the canon, quote unquote, gives us permission to do. And I think it's an act of extraordinary power that runs throughout this chapbook to take ownership of some of these stories and to do some of that reframing. I think now would be a nice time for listeners to hear a poem from the book. I wonder if you would be so kind as to pick a poem that you'd like to share. I had already kind of picked out the, the after Anne Sexton poem, A Woman Like That Is Not Ashamed to Die, which is a line from her kind. So that's the one when you asked me to read something I picked out. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and read that. A woman like that is not ashamed to die after Anne Sexton. I have a thimble for an eye, tin-sided, guarded. At night, the boy I married puts his finger inside the socket just to see. Out comes a worm. This is a ghost story. I am by the campfire with my father, but he is asleep. 
He fell off just at the climax, boots so close to the flames, he ignites. Now my father is a burning bush, and I can just make out his skeleton beneath the flames. For once, I recognize myself there, and also God there. My father says he's come to get me, to take me out, take off your shoes. Barefooted, clean-faced, I'm back in my own bedroom. It's night, and the window is open. Through a tear in the screen, I can hear my mother's voice whisper the story where the wife finds all the bodies in a locked room, where the closets all have spikes, and on every spike is a blonde head, and how lightheaded I am suddenly, how the strands of my hair could be webbing, how I put my body over my husband's hair cascading down. I've caught you, I'll say. I won. And with my tin eye, I'll watch the blood drain out of his face, and I'll want him to say my name forever, as it was before him. This is my name, the first one, unfathered, my only name. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. Ah! The thimble for an eye, the bush, take off your shoes. Like, it's just terrific. Like, all of the allusions coming throughout the whole poem. Sarah, it's a, it's just magnificent. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you reading that one. No, thank you. So, Sarah, you said that tumbling after uh, is sort of the, let's say, the salty appetizer to the very sweet swan wife. <laughs> and then Hillbilly Madonna is also coming this year. Three books in a year. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> What's the relationship between tumbling after and Hillbilly Madonna? Well, actually, there's a couple of the poems in the beginning. Lice- well, actually, no, I was thinking that was, oh, the very first, the Jack and Jill poem is in Hillbilly Madonna. So I think the reason I have all these books is I had just been writing so much and I had this big body of work before I ever got a book together. And I originally, like I was saying, put all of this, this time period into one book. It's like, here's childhood. Here's uh, my first relationship and being a single mom. And then here's my, my marriage. And I was like, this is not one book. This is like three different things. (laughs) So I started thinking about, you know, the childhood poems and that was the weaker area. And I thought, well, I need to develop this. And I come from my, my family is very poor and we kind of grew up, you know, I come from hillbilly people. So, (laughs) um, so I, wanted to explore sort of the person that I was and the person that I avoided becoming. Mm. Um, So that's kind of what Hillbilly Madonna took. So then I took some time to really, you know, research where my father came from, think about the place that I come from in general. So Hillbilly Madonna became more of this project book where I was focused on um, relocated Appalachians in particular, which is what my family is. Uh, They live like inner city now in Columbus, but they were from the hills and they kind of keep that, that culture, but live in this kind of still very impoverished area. But then so... Then I had all of these housewife marriage poems. And like I said, that kind of split into happy ending and and not happy ending. (laughs) So then I had three totally different books. (laughs) 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 And Tumbling is with Redbird Chatbooks, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, Tell me how uh, it was working with Redbird. How was that process? If listeners are um, curious about 
working with them as writers themselves, what should they expect? I actually have loved the process of working with Redbird. My first chap was through, you know, a one person made press, which has now closed. So everything was kind of on me for that. I, I did all the editing. I, right. I, my brother drew the cover, you know, <laughs> thing. so, um, this one, they, you know, they put me with a specific editor and she went through my work with me. She worked kind of one-on-one. And then the most beautiful thing was at the end of the process, they sent me five, uh, pieces of artwork that different artists had made based on my book, which was so amazingly just flattering and awesome. Um, so I got to pick, look through these five really beautiful pieces of art to pick my cover. And then the books I think are just so beautiful too. Yeah, it, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. All right, Sarah, it is time for our quick round where we're going to be zooming through super fast. It's a chapbook within the chapbook. Mm-hmm. So here is question number one. Is proper toilet paper roll placement settled law in your home? And if so, which is it? Is it up over the top? Is it out from underneath? <laughs> it's not. I think a lot of people <gasps> have strong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I most of the time I just like throw it in the bathroom. <laughs> ah, yes. Yes. You will find it just like there's nothing on the roll. It's like sitting on the sink. <laughs> <laughs> And then sometimes I'll put it on there if I'm... <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> okay, question number two. Do you have a preferred font? Do you do, you do the, the font changes uh, as you're going through different stages of your drafting process? Tell us all about your font favorites. I think this is going to be controversial because a lot of people like Garamond, I know. I've heard. Mm-hmm. I like Times New Roman. Look at you. Classic, I don't know classic. what that makes me, but yeah. <laughs> I feel a little bit ashamed, but I do. I change it to Times New Roman and it makes me feel formal, I guess. It's like cool. <laughs> See, when you, you. when you said it was going to be controversial, I was like, oh, she's about to admit to Comic Sans. <laughs> no, I just heard people say they hate Times New Roman for some reason. I like it. <laughs> Sarah, question number three. Who is a major influence on your writing that no one would guess is an influence on your writing? I was going to say something like Angela Carter, but I feel like everybody would guess that because I like to write these sort of weird fairy tales. This is a hard one. I guess I really, when I was younger, I really loved Yates. Mm. So I feel like, you know, he's kind of an old stuffy dude. I used to say I was going to get, when I was like 19, a tattoo of Yates's face, like on my back. So wow. <laughs> just his face floating. <laughs> um, but, you know, he uses myth and, mm-hmm. and I like sound a lot too and kind mm. of that mythic and um you know transcendent speaking to the muses i feel i feel that vibe so yates and, and his like love of Ma, obsessive love of mod gone that always mm. has, has deeply appealed to me that obsession you know yeah so i think he has influenced me more than people would expect it and i, I never admit to <laughs> That is so funny because question number four of our quick round was when you were a teen, which writer's face did you fantasize about tattooing on yourself? <laughs> that is amazing that you answered the question. I guess we have to think of a new question number four. <laughs> so so here's, here's a question for question number four. 
with regards to tumbling, what was the last change that you made to the chapbook before it went to final print? I took out a poem that um, didn't really fit. But now I can't remember what that poem was. Hold on. When you took it out, you really took it out. (laughs) I forgot it. (laughs) I banished a poem. (laughs) It left my mind forever. Oh, here it is. Oh, yeah. It was Venus figure. I took out a poem that was just, it was more about birth and it was super bodily. But I think it, it opened a new, I don't know, it just wasn't as strong as the other ones. And it seemed kind of disconnected. And I took it out. Great. Our final question, number five, where can our listeners find you online? Um, well, I'm mostly on Twitter, I think, for writing type stuff. And then at sarahmorewagner.com is another good place. Listeners, do you know that you'll be able to find links to all of those places, as well as the full biography of today's guest in the show notes for today's episode. If you've already subscribed to the chapbook, thank you so much. Be sure to tell all of your friends. Let them know that we're on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Overcast, and all the other major pod places. And if you feel like being a stellar cartographer, well, then map five stars right onto your review of the chapbook. You can also send us ideas, questions, and suggestions. Our email is chapbook at bullcitypress.com. The best way to find out about what we're up to is to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Bull City Press or visit our website, bullcitypress.com. You can find that guy on Twitter at Ross White. You can find that guy on Twitter at DC Noah. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so yeah, much, Sarah. We really me. enjoyed having you. It's a terrific book. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. 